Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Agustin Magala, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Argentinian champion Agustin Medala about playing on autopilot, the addictive nature of the game and the way his partner's upbeat temperament keeps him cool under pressure. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? Jocelyn, I'm really well. How are you? I'm fine. What's been happening? Funny you should ask. Uh (laughs) No, I've been dying to talk to you about this because I played at a tournament last weekend and this thing happened and oh my God. Okay. So you know how we do that thing where if we've got length in the opponent's suit, we might lead away from an ace? Basically, we defend like no trump. Right. We pretend it's a no trump and we figure out what we would lead against no trump and then we can do the same thing. Exactly. So these people were in a cold four spades contract. That's fine. But I actually had four spades and I had an outside ace four times, right? And I thought, fine, I'm just going to lead away from the ace. It was completely immaterial. They made their contract. It was a flat board. It just didn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. The day goes on. The competition's over. You know, people are mingling, hanging around afterwards. There are a few drinks and snacks, what have you. This guy, the guy who'd been the dummy in this four-stage board, makes a point of coming over to me like laughing before he even gets there. Yeah, I can see him face beaming approaching me. And it's just 
determined to tell me what an idiotic lead this lead was. Like just laughing in my face and, you know, I, I did not know what to do with myself. I just had gobsmacked. I don't know. No, let me rephrase. I think I do. I think he thought he was flirting with me, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure he did. I'm sure that's that's his way. That's his game. And it's not very good. <laughs> I was just so stunned that he'd have the goal to his. He obviously was both flirting, but also thought I was a complete idiot. So I was wanting to make sure that I understood that he thought I was a complete idiot. But at the same time that I'd somehow find this was cute, him pointing this out to me. <laughs> so he's just going for it. And, you know, at this point, I, I don't even know what to say to the guy. I'm not going to get into an argument with him. I don't think it's any of his business. He's certainly given up any right to have a sensible discussion about it, which is clearly not really what he wanted anyway. I don't know if he's been reading something about negging women. You know that thing, that trend a few by the misogynists a few years ago where men were being encouraged to insult women as a way of somehow being attractive to them or something. I don't know. I don't know what he thought he was going to achieve with this. But anyway, there you go. Well, you know, it is interesting. We get very odd reactions. You'll remember, I think we've talked about it mm. on the podcast, the time that somebody called the director on you <laughs> on an online game when you underled your ace and it was just insane they 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 called the director they were convinced that we were cheating yeah. because the, because like how did you know to underlead your ace to my king or whatever right, it was right. that helped defeat the contract and you know it's just so for our listeners just so you know we will underlead an ace yes. if <laughs> if we're long in the trump suit yes that our opponents have contracted for. And sometimes it's very effective and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's neither here nor there. <laughs> but it seems to provoke a very strong reaction no matter what. <laughs> reaction it provoked both in my opponent and in my reaction to him. Well, yeah. Be forewarned. Yeah. And, and then do me a favor and don't come and tell me about it later. <laughs> yeah, no. And now it's time for Club Quell. Club in the spotlight. This is Stuart Showalter from the Burlington Bridge Club in Vermont in the United States. I recently moved here from San Diego, California, some 3,000 miles away, to be near my family. When I moved into my apartment, which my daughter had chosen for me because I had never been to Vermont before, I was thrilled to learn that the Bridge Club is just half a mile away. Vermont is the second smallest state in the United States by population, so we are, of course, a rather small club, but we do some big things. We are sanctioned by the American Contract Bridge League. We host three sectional tournaments each year, plus a special tournament for non-life masters, and we participate in the annual Longest Day event to raise money for the Alzheimer's Association, ACBL's charity partner. We also have regular lessons for beginning and intermediate players, and we publish a monthly newsletter and weekly problem quiz. The club holds six games each week. We also offer two open games on BBO. Our in-person games generally have six to eight tables, sometimes more. Our sectionals are larger, of course, drawing players not only from Vermont, but also from the neighboring states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and New York. We even get a few who drive down from Canada. As an introvert, I feel blessed to have such a warm and welcoming group of bridge players within walking distance of my home. 
It brings out my hidden extrovert side. All visitors are welcome, so if you're ever in the New England area of the United States, we hope you will take time to stop by the Burlington Bridge Club, Williston, Vermont. So come on down. Email us if you'd like to kvell about your club. Club in the spotlight. I'm kvelling. Three letters today, Jocelyn. Three. Wow. (laughs) And the first one is from Mish on the theme of mentorship. Hi, ladies. I recently started listening to your podcasts. I particularly enjoy listening to stories about mishaps at the bridge table. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Here is one of mine from a recent game with a player that I mentor. We were at our local club. There were only three and a half tables and we started with a four-board sit-out. We decided to use the time to practice bidding with the sit-out boards. Very good. On the third board, partner opened one no trump. With five hearts and six high card points, I transferred to hearts. He responded to no trump, forgetting my bid was a transfer. Wasn't a systematic bid or anything. We agreed it was nice to get this mistake out of our system before we faced real opponents. True, true. Then, on the second board in the next round, so this was after the sit-out, partner opened to no trump. With eight high card points and five hearts, I bid three diamonds to transfer to hearts. Partner promptly bid three no trump, again missing the transfer. Again missing the transfer. No surprise, hearts played much better and we got a bottom. Several hands later, Partner opened one no trump again, holding six diamonds. No. Several hands later, partner opened one no trump again, holding six diamonds to the ace king, two small doubletons in the majors, and ten high card points. I thought to myself, mm, today is not a good day for transfers. I decided to simplify matters and bid five diamonds to play. Partner paused. I could see the wheels turning as he asked himself. Was my bid a transfer? And then came down the five hearts. I doubt oh. I hit my dismay sufficiently as I slapped down the six diamond card. I was, of course, I was off of, I was off of course. Five diamonds was the only makeable game. Three director calls later for two revokes with penalties and an insufficient bid by partner, and the torture ended. Not the best day at the table for either of us, next time I think partner will remember when my bid is or isn't a transfer. Oh, Mitch, but you know what they say, you shouldn't try and rescue your partner. (laughs) (laughs) But he's the mentor. Isn't that part of the job? Maybe. No, maybe not. Oh, my goodness. But I mean, it all sounded like it started bad when you have a sit out in the first round. I mean, that's always horrible. (laughs) Even if you put it to good use. Yeah. You know, I, I I think I have a different attitude to sit-outs. It seems, uh, maybe we don't want to do this, but I don't find sit-outs such a big deal. I just think, well, yeah, but sometimes they just haven't. You know what it is? It's because I have been sent home from clubs because the numbers don't add up when a sit-out could have managed. And I just think, oh, come on, people. Okay, there's not enough people here today. You don't want a howl movement. You're going to carry on no matter what. Just have a sit-out. Like, what's the drama? Right. That's my attitude. Totally get it. You're right. 
I don't know what I'm complaining about. <laughs> Never mind. I love them. They're an opportunity to practice bidding and get your kinks out of your systems. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> and that's yet another reason why you're my favorite partner, Jocelyn. <laughs> flexible thanks partner i appreciate you doing it uh, what 180 there on on <laughs> on that position thank you very much our next letter is from mojo and mojo is writing to us about robot tournaments he says robot tournaments are a fine way to practice strong hand bidding since you're always given the hand with the highest point count i was dealt a balanced hand with 26 or so high card points You'll like this, Jocelyn. I happen to know that on the robot convention card, this hand was described as a three-no-trump opening bid rather right. than gambling or anything else. So I opened three-no-trump. My robot partner bid seven-no-trump and right-hand opponent doubled. After the lead, I saw that I was off an ace, naturally, but left-hand opponent hadn't led that suit and I ran off 13 tricks. Duck. Yes. It turned out to be a really good board because most of the other players were down one in seven no trump doubled because they'd opened two clubs and they sort of gone two clubs, two diamonds, and then there'd been a double for a lead on the two diamonds. Three no trump, seven no trump, yes. And so then they were all the others were off. So basically if you knew the convention card and knew that the robots opened three no trump in that sequence, you were good. So that's Yeah, I've noticed that too. And it is fun to practice bidding strong hands. Sometimes I find that when I've been playing with the robots a lot and then I go and play in a regular game, it's like, what are these crap eight-point hands? What do I do with this? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I'm, a little, I'm a little spoiled. <laughs> yeah. But some of those bids are less than... I was going to say standard, but I don't mean to confuse the systems. But they're, you know, not always the way that most people tend to bid those hands. Right. No, this is very true. Yeah. It does help to know the BBO uh, bidding system. Right. For sure. And our final letter today, Jocelyn, is from Bill. Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. I was asked to fill in for two hands in a teaching game. My partner was ready to open one no trump when the teacher suggested she reconsider. She put down the one heart card instead, and I proudly announced 15 to 17. <laughs> Regards, Bill. <laughs> That's very cute. That reminds me of that letter that we, that we read out a few months ago where the husband knew exactly what the wife had and so announced it based on the wife having passed. <laughs> She's got a balanced 11 count or something. I forget what it was, but it was really cute yeah. also. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So if you have any fun stories about transfers gone awry or something interesting or unusual that happened when playing with robots please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our contact information on our website at sorrypartner.com, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Agustin Madala. Argentinian champion Agustin Madala's intuitive flair and extraordinary card play 
have earned him the nickname The Magician. He started playing chess at three, but shifted to bridge at eight when chess became a little boring. He won his first South American championship at 14 and competed for his first Bermuda Bowl at 15. He has won the IOC Grand Prix, the European Teams Championship, five European Champion Cups, two World Championships, and the European Winter Games. We began by asking if he'd had any interesting hands lately. There are always interesting hands, but uh, I, I haven't played bridge for the past two months, so <laughs> there's nothing lately. Okay, so that's, you've been at home, and uh, I know there's been some stuff going on, but how has it been not playing bridge for a couple of months? What's that like for someone like you? Yeah, well, for me, it's more or less how my life goes. Um, I used to play a lot of bridge. Uh, like when I started, like I went to Italy, well, it's already 18 years ago. That's a lot, a lot of time. And I used to play uh, like nine months a year or something. Uh, but, you know, the past years, uh, I, I've been playing like eight, nine tournaments a year only, not more than that. And is that your choice to play fewer tournaments? Yes. Well, I mean, I could, I could clearly play more. Um, I, I really enjoy being at home. So I always uh, prefer to spend time at home with my daughter and uh, my family and my friends, my dad, my brother. And your game doesn't suffer when you're not playing as often? Not really, no. I mean, I guess I, I think so. Maybe if you ask anyone else, uh, I would say yes, but no, not really. No. I, I never really trained a lot. I, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's more like, uh, you know, there are some players, some bridge players that they need. I mean, in any sport, it's the same. Like in tennis, it will be exactly the same. Some players are like natural players. Some players are like effort players. Like they need to think everything and uh, work and train and for me it's more like I'm more like natural player and so I don't it's not that I don't need it doesn't sound good I don't need to train and I don't need to play but it's more like a natural thing I always say that whenever we play uh, a long tournament like a national or a world championships or whatever uh, to have a very good autopilot like I have it makes you have the time to think in the important hands. So uh, some players don't have this autopilot so good. So they really have to think a lot and they waste a lot of time. And uh, by the end of the tournament, they are tired or they make ridiculous mistakes because they, they just, their brain are, is collapsing. So this is why I consider myself like a natural guy who can like play most of the hands in, uh, in this autopilot uh, so that's why I, I don't need to be like uh, playing all the time or training. Are you playing online during that period at all or are you really not playing at all? No. You're not playing at all? No, I mean, I never liked playing online. I just played online uh, when we couldn't do anything else. It was uh, uh, all 2020 and uh, part of 2021 and uh I, I never thought like it was a real thing for a competition, the online bridge. So 
I think I like it a lot for people to play, to enjoy, to play like uh, casual games and this, but maybe for playing a serious competition as we were playing uh, nationals uh, and, or South Americans or Brazilian championship, I try to play it at as less as possible. I was interested in the same question. I also was wondering whether you read any bridge books during your off time. Not really, no. I used to read some books uh, when I was little. Uh, I was a very big reader, and I, I don't read that much these days. Uh, I love to read. I love to read. But um, my, my dad had a lot, lot of bridge books, so but I read that all that books uh, by the time I was eight or nine or something. So I guess uh, I, ne- I never read any any other bridge book from there. Do any of them stand out even today? Which ones do you think of off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really liked uh, Bridge in a Menagerie. It was, uh, as I tell you, I mean, I'm 37 now and I probably read it like almost 30 years ago, but uh, I do remember it was fun. I And I had the chance to revisit uh, some of the stories because uh, my dad was writing uh, articles on the newspaper in Argentina and he uh, now and then he would publish some interesting hand from that book. You're regarded as a bridge prodigy. You took to the game very young and were very, very successful very quickly. And you've talked about having this autopilot skill do you get impatient around people who don't have that? Like even very good players who you see taking a lot of time. Is it okay with you or does it agitate you? Yes, I do, I do get impatient. Yeah, it's very difficult for me to play with a slow partner. My actual partner, Dennis Bilde, is a very fast player. But whenever I play with someone that it's slow or against someone, I do get a little impatient. But it's, this is a bad thing for me. I have to admit that. I mean, it's the, it's my fault. It's not anyone else's fault. It's just like I, I uh, a lot of times, like I, I think that they are wasting time. Mm. And I do think that there are some players who do play slow against me because they know I get impatient. I'm just fascinated. You've been blessed with these skills that make you see the world differently. To many, many people, I mean, obviously, we all see the world differently, but you have an ability to see what's going on at the bridge table in a way that many people don't. And of course, this is your reality. So that's just what you see. But do you have an an understanding and an awareness that you maybe see a couple of layers deeper than most people tend to see? It's like being good at bridge. It's just... It's like being good at maths or being good at uh, physics or anything. It's just something that you you might be good, but it doesn't really it doesn't really mean that I'm good at maths or good at anything. I mean, you need some maths to to calculate some percentages at bridge, and you need the. But it's something that is specific. It's it's amazing that I found it and I started so early, but it has an explanation. We can go to that. Uh, <laughs> go to that. What's the explanation? Yeah. So the the story is is like this. So the old generation of bridge players from Argentina that uh, 
includes my dad, they were chess players. At the chess club where everyone was playing, they introduced a wing of bridge. And they all started to play bridge. So and they became the, the, the very good generation of bridge players from Argentina. I did exactly the same. But I started playing chess when I was three. And I played for like four or five years till I got bored of chess. It wasn't uh, really funny because I was never really amazing at chess, but I was better than the other eight years old kids. So I was getting a little bored. So I, I kind of came back from the chess school one day and I asked my dad, I said, can we do something more interesting than this? And then we started with bridge. And my dad uh, did something very good at the time that it wasn't, nobody was doing it. We were lucky to be four uh, at home. So my mom, my dad, and uh, me and my brother. And uh, we just played cards for a year. We never knew that the ace was four, the king was three, the queen was, we didn't know about the trump suit or anything. We just played cards. Uh, so by the time we introduced the bidding, we were already very good card, card players. When I played my first tournament with him at the club, I was claiming with five or six tricks to go. And obviously, obviously the people I was playing against, they were laughing at me like this can't be possible. But I was I was very good card, bridge card player. We didn't know how to beat. That's phenomenal. It was it was actually a very smart move by him. Because maybe there's a lot of people who starts with like uh, the points and this, and then they just give uh, in, interest to, to to know that you have 13, 15, or 16 points. We 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 learned how to value our cards somehow. I mean, this was his idea. I I know that there's some some places they teach like this now. Yeah. Maybe not one mm-hmm. year, but we did one full year of playing chess cards at home, not every day. But uh, we played a lot. I think also, especially teaching kids, this is considered the best way is just get them playing and not worry about the bidding so much. Exactly. Because uh, so you play, you play, the, you like when you're small, you like to play cards. Uh, this and it's funny and you like to win the tricks and, uh, and you know, and start to, and then you, we started playing with partner, with partnership. So you start to know that you don't always you don't always need to put the biggest card. Sometimes your partner uh, is there to help. So it's uh, you know it's it's uh, it's very slow to learn. But uh, but I think it was I think it was a great move by him. And now for a short break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. And remember... If you don't like the ads, you can sign up for ad-free episodes on our website. I wanted to follow up on the autopilot aspect of your game. Are you able to identify what it is that comes automatically? So, for example, are you able to get a visual picture of all the hands pretty automatically? Is that what happens without your having to think about it as much as other people need to think about it? And also, what makes a hand then difficult for you when you, the hands that you're glad you saved your energy so that you can really think hard about those particular hands during a long tournament? I think, uh, I mean, I cannot really say on a specific uh, reason of why I have the, my autopilot is better than the other or like, recognize why uh, or which hands I play in in autopilot. It's like an automatic thing, really. It's like whenever my mind presents some trouble, it usually comes to uh, situations like a competitive bidding at a high level, five to five, six to five. So I have to think and I have to analyze bidding or it comes with a, an interesting uh, card play like when trumps are not breaking and you have to find the 100% line to win or you have to think about the bidding. I mean, I think I most I mostly think uh, on defense because it's uh, it's also has um, I mean, you have to to think and you have to think what your partner is going to think from his side. So that is the most interesting part of the of the game. But uh, I would say, I have no idea which is the percentage, but uh, I would say like maybe 80% of the hands should be not a lot of thinking. It's pretty much going uh, like with the wind. You just uh, value your hand, you beat, you play, you lead your longest suit, the smallest card of your longest suit. Then you like your partner, you make a signal, and, uh, and then you go to the next board. It's just easy. It's easy. It's so easy. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, it's it's something that, that I value a lot because uh, I've been around a lot and I've seen a, a, lot of, a lot of bridge players. And I played with some players that needed to think a lot. And, for example, and this is a case, a real case, and it's and we talk about it. I was playing with my partner, Team, and uh, he's from Argentina. He's a very good friend of mine. And we talk about this. We, 
I, I mean, we were playing a very difficult system. And he was thinking and thinking every time the system was coming. He was taking five minutes to not make a mistake on the system. Uh, so by the end of the round, of the end of the day, he was completely destroyed. So we we talked together and said, this, is, this has to be different. I mean, you need to play more relaxed. And uh, so we just went back to play absolutely natural system. No conventions. Stay among transfers and a key card. And that was all. And we played like uh, our best championships came from from when we decided that uh, to to be as natural as we could. How much of your game is dependent on really knowing how each other thinks so that you can make a play and you can trust that your partner will understand your intention? Well, this is, this is very important. I mean, the good partnerships, you need to know uh, your partner and your partner need to know how you work, how your brain work, how you think. Most of the good pairs, uh, they come from uh, like a player who is he takes more risks and his partner is playing more standard bridge and uh, like a passive at the table and uh, so you it's very important that you know that your partner is going to take the risk because otherwise you need to take the risk but do you basically barter for this beforehand do you discuss it beforehand or is it just come about because you get to know each other as you play like how much is about the decision yeah, it's more or less uh, when you start playing, you you see how it goes. I mean, you see how it goes. You see how your partner thinks, what risks he takes. And, uh, and for example, my, my partnership now with uh, Dennis Bilde, he takes more risks. But in the past, I used to be the, the one who, who I'm getting old. So this is this is my problem now. <laughs> you used to be a wild thing, and now exactly. he's the wild thing. Exactly, I used thing. to be a junior player. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, perfection, it's always in the middle of that. Uh, you need to be both players, uh, either aggressive or, I think Dennis is more aggressive, but he also knows when to stay calm, and I am calm, but I also know or try to, to use my aggressive part of the game whenever we need it. So, you know, it's all, all, all it's a mix uh, of emotions at the table. I mean, sometimes uh, you see, you feel it at the table. You feel that your partner is not taking the move, so you take it. And, uh, no, but it's not something that you talk like before a round and you say, okay, this round you're going to be uh, more aggressive or no. It's something more permanent. It's like something that it's uh, in the air. You feel it. August, I'm sure our listeners are really delighted to know how relaxed you always are at the table. But is there anything at all that makes you nervous at the table? Well, as as one of the questions before, I mean, slow play is something that makes me very, very nervous. But, you know, uh, as I'm getting old, I'm getting a little better. With that, uh, and all, obviously, whenever I play any like uh, final or semi-final of an important tournament, I, I do feel uh, something. I mean, it, this is normal, and uh, it's normal not to play so good. It's normal to make some mistakes. It's normal to feel the pressure. It's uh, I think it's in everyone. 
but uh, yeah, there's not either than slow play. It's not, there's nothing else that makes me nervous so much. Can I just clarify about the slow play? Nervous or annoyed? Well, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, I do get annoyed, but I also get nervous. Yeah, I get very impatient, very impatient, very impatient. So I can I can play worst because of that. I mean, it's it, it can it, it happened before. So is that the thing that makes you nervous? Is that you know that it might affect your temperament and you'll start to get frustrated and play worse? Exactly. That's why I told you that some players play slower against me because they do know that I get I'm I'm not I'm not that good. Do you express your impatience at the table with a slow player? Well, whenever it's it's uh, it's too much. I mean, if it's normal and it's it's, it's slow, they must just see, see it in my face, but I, I won't say really anything. Uh, it happened to us uh, once that uh, we had like nine boards to play in 22 minutes and we didn't think any, any like any hat, so... So then you feel like, you know, I need my time and I don't have it anymore. Uh, so that time, for example, I was pretty clear. Uh, I wasn't having fun at all. But otherwise, you can see in my face or in my movements that I'm not happy with the tempo. But it's, uh, it's, in very, in the, it's very odd that I would say something. Now that you're becoming such a senior figure in the bridge world, in your dotage. (laughs) (laughs) How have you learned to manage your negative feelings at the table? How have you got better at keeping your composure? You learn from everything. Well, you know, I've been playing bridge for 28 years already. So I did play some important stages and some some long tournaments and everything. So I would say mostly everything that could happen to me at the bridge table already happened. So, you know, you learn from, uh, from, from the situations you live. You, you learn from uh, sometimes you, you got uh, annoyed and you make mistakes and then you say, okay, don't get annoyed. Don't get... It's, it's uh, you know, it's a learning process. But uh, through the years, uh, I think, I can manage the frustrations uh, better. Sometimes there are some players that what they have a bad hand, uh, bad board, they just, they can play four or five more words not playing their best. You know, for me now, I can, I know that in every match, there's going to be some bad words. There's one only thing that I don't stop. I get uh, very bad, that it's losing uh, parts court doubled. This thing makes me so I can play the next hand very happy of uh, going for 1700. I uh, I find very difficult to play well after minus 470. <laughs> this is because you doubled the opponents in exactly. a part score and and they make it. Okay. And they made. Got yeah, it. I hate to double. Yeah. Whenever whenever I double, I like to cash at least two or three downs on the top. Because I know that this 470 could ruin my next 10 boards. But it ruins my, my feeling at the table. I, I not feel like I'm playing bad, but I clearly I play bad. 
I'm sure I play bad because I am just so annoyed about the thing of the par score double that I can go. If I go for 800 or 1100 or whatever, I mean, it's uh, it's a hand. Who cares? But the par scores, I don't have too <laughs> well still. When you're brooding at the table and cross with yourself about what's happened, do you, does your partner get annoyed with you? How does your partner manage you? Well, my partner is the, is the happiest uh, man in the history of bridge. You cannot play with someone like this. So uh, I am temperament. I, ha- I, like, uh, I like to speak at the table. Uh, I'm very Italian in that way. Um, but I, the first tournament I played with Dennis, uh, we were not playing together at all. It was our first time in Italy, and uh, we were playing with different partners. And, uh, and we decided before the tournament we were playing together. So we played together. We played not, no conventions like this, just natural bridge. And we won the tournament. That was pretty amazing. But at one point of the semifinal, it was a very, very close match. And uh, I make a choice, choice of games to Dennis. So uh, he has to choose between four spades and three no traps. Okay. And he chooses three no. And he goes down four vulnerable, so minus 400. And four spades is called from the top. 620, called. And it's a very, very close match. We won by one this match. And uh, so I go under the screen to say something, to scream at him, to say, why do you... And I see the biggest smile in the world. It was like a baby with an ice cream. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. So you, you was peek just... under the screen and there Exactly. Is... I went under the screen and I say, and then I see nothing. I see a baby with, with an ice cream. And he was like, okay. Okay. I didn't say a word. I said nothing. At the end of, at the, end of the round, I say, how, how could you do that? I mean, if I take the bad decision, I will be pissed. My face will be horrible. But uh, he was so calm. And he is, uh, he's, all, he's been always like that. This was like six or seven years ago, and he's been like that, like this all the time. So this also helped me a lot to be a better partner and a, and a better bridge player, for sure. August, do you have a favorite tournament that you really love to play? Yeah, I have a couple of tournaments I like to play. My favorite tournament is the Open South American Championships. It's like a trial for the Bermuda Boat. So it qualifies just one team for country, and uh, it qualifies for the Bermuda Bowl. And the next year, you have this uh, open championship. Like uh, you have many teams from uh, from Brazil, Argentina. At the time, it was just for South America. Now it's it goes transnationals. It's uh, open for the world, and uh, all the people is coming to the tournament. So it's even funnier. But at the time when I was sixteen. 18, it was so fun to be with all the South American people once every two years in these nice uh, locations, maybe sometimes by the sea, like in Cartagena, Colombia. And really, like the tournament goes to a second place. You just spend the nights with friends that you see one, one time every two, one or two years. And you drink and chat and talk about uh, bridge stories. And for sure, that's the tournament I like more to play every year. You said there were a couple? 
Yeah, well, I love to play. Uh, there are some places in the world that I love to, to go, like a Biarritz tournament. It's a festival in France that is very nice. I've been there for, uh, I think, 16 or 17 years in a row. I missed last year. But uh, so I love there. I, go, I, li- I like to go to Spain for dinner. And obviously, I, I do like to play like Bermuda Bowl or Olympiads. But this is more like a serious bridge that I like. In the tournaments, my first thought when you asked the question was to think about the tournaments. I, like, I go there with a smile. I get to that tournaments with a smile and I go back home with a smile. Usually at the World Championships, I go with a very serious face and I go back almost crying. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so good. <laughs> What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? Oh, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, I can tell you this story is uh, really amazing. So we had two boards in the same round against the same pairs. That it seems to be really a joke. So the first one, they opened two no tramps showing both minors and a weak hand. And uh, it went past three clubs pass, pass to my partner. So we agreed that whenever they showed two suits and this situation was coming, double from his side was a visual thing. So if I have more than two cards, it was a takeout double. If I have less than two cards, it was penalty. Okay? So I had stiff uh, ace of clubs, so I passed. I led the ace of clubs, and that was the only trick we made. So my partner, so the dummy came down with seven small clubs, five small diamonds, and stiff ace on one major. And his partner had king jack fourth of clubs, void in diamonds, and ace king on the other major. So they were called for six clubs. We got three clubs doubles minus 1270. And we won seven points to six clubs double 1540 on their table. So our, our disaster was plus seven for us. Wow. And this was on the same, on the very same match, and we won by very few imps. It was, I think, it was quarterfinals of a national, and uh, my partner they get to six hearts double. My partner has one no trump opening, so he somehow decides to underlead ace queen third of hearts, so he leads small hearts, and it's the only way to let the contract make. Because uh, otherwise, the uh, dummy you can go. He can't go twice to his hand. But we still don't know what happened. At one point, <laughs> the, the guy who was playing the hand. He makes. He has all all the tricks are his, but he plays a card and I win the trick. And then I look at him and I say, "Okay, what, what's going on?" And uh, so we go and we check, and everybody has four cards and he has three. Okay, so he, at one point of the hand, he played two cards at the same time. And no one, no one noticed. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he went down in six cards double when he was absolutely, absolutely cold. Yeah, and it was the same match. What's the ruling in a situation like that? His fault. I mean, he, he considered the trick at one point, And he, when, when we took his cards from the board, he had all 13 cards. Mm. So he, he, at some point, he played the card. I have no idea what the rules. I know that the director came to, to the table 
and uh, we were playing against a very big guy. That was not the guy who had the, the problem. It was his partner. So his partner got very, very nervous, and uh, and he started trying to fight with me. And I said, okay, no worries. There is no any chance I'm going to fight with you. So it's it's like there's no chance. I mean, you are like 195. I am 172. It's just no chance. So it's so uh, why was he going to fight you? That makes no sense. Because you know, people don't the, the people don't like to get horrible results. And, uh, and this was a very <laughs> strange. I mean, obviously they wanted the director to rule that six hours double was making, but he actually went down. Yeah. At the, but yeah, it was it was crazy because. There was a there was a little spice on the situation that, so, my partner promised fifteen points and I knew that if he had fifteen points he couldn't make the contract because he needed to have king queen of space so there was no chance. So the guy started thinking, and I told the guy I said I don't think you're going to make this one, okay, and then this happened, so it was like, okay he didn't make I mean I I thought my thought was correct I mean he went down. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it was an accident. He he played two cards at the same time. I mean, it's, so they were stuck together. Is that the idea? Yes, yeah. exactly. Got it. Got it. So it was pretty crazy. And you didn't have to go to hospital. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but very close. <laughs> what is the most unexpected place where you've played bridge? Well. When we were young, we used to play everywhere we could. So uh, certainly we played at every airport and every train station. And we were playing every kind of card games all the time. So I, I do have a couple of friends who actually were seated at the, at the gate and they missed the flights while playing cards. They went to all the group, one, two, two three, four, five, to nine and the plane departed and they kept playing cards <laughs> and they had to take then a car from like New York to Washington DC or something because they were not doesn't time. doesn't that say it all doesn't that just sort of capture how bridge players are so engrossed in this game yeah absolutely yeah we we are like uh, you know bridge is uh, it's a very addictive game i would say that's one of the of the reasons why I don't I don't actually go on Juana, my daughter, to to be a bridge, to be a bridge player. I'm not so sure about it. I mean, it has to be her decision. Uh, we've been addicted and we played uh, a lot, and uh, you know, your life became even for for people that play at the club. They they are thinking going to the club and play bridge and this is not only for competitive players I mean it's for everyone you know what is something that people might be surprised to know about you well I was very close to stop playing bridge before I started traveling I won my first South American championship in 2001 I was 14 but on the trials for the South Americans I lost the first stage of the trials by one imp in 96 sports. I was invited by the team who defeated us to play the second stage. And uh, we lost again in 128 boards. We lost by two. And when I went back home, I said, 
I'm not playing bridge anymore. That's all for me. And then uh, a week, uh, a week from there, the team that was traveling from Argentina, there was a guy who is now a known player from Argentina. His mother put his passport, his ID, he put it on the laundry machine and he couldn't travel. He didn't have any other ID at the time. And uh, so the people from uh, the team, they called me and they asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, I I already decided not to. I I quit bridge. I'm not playing bridge. Exactly. I'm not playing anymore. So I do remember the phone call and I said, okay, yeah, I I would love to go, but I have to ask my dad. (laughs) And they said, okay, no, we already asked your dad. And he said, it's fine. And that was the first time uh, I traveled by myself. And I was 14 and we won the South American championships. Do you have a favorite bridge convention or gadget? Uh, I do. Yeah. I would say Gatsili. We're big fans. And I think it is one of the things that changed uh, a system. It really changed the system. It gives uh, some space and it's good to work on. It's a convention that is very good to work on. Like uh, when I started my, my partnership many years ago, we spent maybe 10 hours working only on Gatsili and to make it perfect to show all the hands and and this and also this uh, the two-level opening uh, to gloves or to diamonds showing 18, 19 balanced. These are the two conventions I like most. Is there a bridge convention that you really hate? I do. Yes, I hate uh, Flannery. I would say hate. I would say I don't. I really dislike a Flannery, but uh, hate is a strong, very strong word. Is that because you really like having two diamonds available for other uses or? No, no, no. I don't like Flannery because I don't like Flannery at all. I don't like it. It's a convention that it doesn't fit me. I don't know. I have to play Flannery with some, some of my partners around the world. So I try not to say that to them. But they do know I don't like it. What is the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given or that you can share with our listeners? Uh, my tip would always be don't really count points. Just look at your cards and see if you like them or not. So that's the way to really upgrade or downgrade. And it's, it's like I do it still these days. I see a hand and I see, okay, I like it. Okay, so then I know that uh, I'm going to press a little more. If I don't like it, it's a view thing. It's like uh, I see the cards and I... So that's what I always tell uh, the people. Just look at your cards and value if you, if, if they're nice cards or not. This could go for every level of bridge. Agus, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure from uh, me. So thank you, Catherine. And thank you, Jocelyn. It was great. It was fun. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Agustin Madala. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner Posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts 
and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. Join the Sorry Partner Posse, purchase books through our site, explore the merch store. These links and a link to Club Kvel are in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as August says, forget counting points. Look at your cards and decide if you like them or not. That's the way to evaluate a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.